Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. Listening to episode 24 of Fadeless, podcast devoted to the Showcase Network Supernatural series. Lost Girl also appearing on Sci Fi. Uh, you know, Wayne, we're going to have to change this up a bit as we get to uh, season three. Oh, yeah, my name's Dave. And hey, I'm Wayne. I was a person he was just talking to a second ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, exciting. Just a couple days away. We're recording on Friday night. Uh, January 4th, so we're two days away from the Canadian premiere and about 10 days away from the United States premiere. Not and, only are we about 10 days, we are 10 days yep. away. And uh, January 10th, down under. So uh, exciting times. and what? Uh, The Australians get before us? Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know what that's all about. Maybe that's part of the uh, Farscape effect. But, <sighs> um, you know, regardless, it's uh, exciting. It is, yeah. I'm super psyched, especially you know after watching uh, season two again. You know, like, oh, it's like, man, I'm really, I, you know, stoked for. Uh, cause there's a lot of places this can go. Yeah, so and it's uh, cool because our next show we can actually do some predictions about where we think it'll go. Well, not to mention that we'll be able to get back onto a one episode a week. Yeah, and, and not have to worry about spoilers. Actually, be able to make predictions. So. Yeah, it'll, it'll just it'll, we're gonna keep it more real now. Yeah. So, what have you been watching? Um, that's a good question. Uh, Lost Girl. Okay. Um, not much else really. I'm trying to. Well, think. I think, I well, think like over over you know Christmas break, I I went back and did a X Men rewatch. And that's where actually okay. So I might bear something. You know, I'm, so I'm watching X Men, uh, the second one, X Two. And I'm looking at the guy who plays Iceman, right? Okay. And I'm like, I mean, I know he looks familiar because I've seen this movie about a gazillion times. But it, it's more than that. I've seen this guy elsewhere. And I look, hey, I think, I think that's Nate. I think that's the guy who plays Nate in Lost Girl. And it wasn't even like, it was, it was actually his voice at first that got me. I was like, oh, that, oh that's always like Nate. Um, so I went and IMDb'd it to find out it is not Nate. It is Nate's twin brother. Nate is Aaron Ashmore, and the guy who plays Iceman in the X-Men movies is Sean Ashmore. Well, it's, oh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. So, uh, Well, like I told you, I've been trying to improve my sci-fi film credibility a little bit more, so I finally got around to watching The Avengers, and uh, I know you've been talking about that for a while, and, and yeah. ex- explained to me that I really should have watched the other ones first, but uh, pretty cool movie. And, you know, when we uh, have some time, you know, over the next couple of weeks, maybe we can talk a little bit more about it. But, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. So you're just going to throw that out there? Okay. Well, you're right. We got, we got more pressing business. We got, yeah, we got three episodes of Lost Girl tonight. But, uh, <laughs> but know, I will I, say to all you young people out there that you should actually at least watch Thor and maybe Captain America before you watch Avengers. Okay. Thor, for sure, because the bad guy is the bad guy from Thor. Now, I also got around to seeing Prometheus, which, you know, I'd certainly heard a lot about and uh, really liked that a lot. I mean, you know, we, I, I think we talked before. You you still haven't seen Looper, right? 
I haven't. Okay, yeah. and, and you, I think you know. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of Looper. Yeah, but Michael was. Though, so Michael that's, and that's, that's weird that you two would would uh, differ so much. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, you know, feel like Mike, but uh, I like I like Prometheus a lot. I mean, a lot of things to think about, and and the look of the film was really uh, really cool. Um, also, uh, into season two, or, or rather series two of Doctor Who on the rewatch. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Just saw the uh, one with the face of Bo and the uh, cat nurses. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me go back to New York. Exactly, and then uh, plugging away at Andromeda, which is still very awesome. So. Yeah, well, you got that Alexa Doig thing going. So. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, now, before I forget, I want to acknowledge uh, Bradley, who sent us an email, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, forget the niceties, which he certainly was nice uh, about, you know, things he had to say about the podcast, and gave us a little bit of background. But he says after watching the episode "Brother Fay of the Wolves," I had a thought and wanted to see if either one of you guys or the listeners had the same thought. Now that I'm caught up and haven't heard my theory mentioned, I just wanted to throw it out there and see what you guys think. Okay, so in the Brother Fay episode, it's mentioned that a wolf serves his king until death. We know that Dyson turned his back on the original king, but do you think that Trick, in his role as the Blood King, is the king that Dyson chose to follow instead? It would certainly explain why he shows more loyalty to Trick than to the Ash or to any other high-ranking Fae. Uh, yeah, what do you think? I, I think that's a, a very valid theory. You know, that's that's actually a pretty good idea um, because you're right, there is, and we, we mentioned that back from season one, how there really does seem to be a special relationship between Dyson and Trick. Um, so whether it's, you know, I mean, the only thing I would say there is that it, it seemed in that episode that that Dyson's nominal loyalty still lay to the old king. Well, I don't know. You know well, well it, it all revolved around uh, the king sending his best friend, who was Kiara's husband, right, to his death, a, right. se- seemingly unnecessarily, almost as a, you know, just a, a sign of my power that I can do this. Well, no, it was. We talked about this. Right? He he purposefully sent him on a suicide mission because he wanted Kiara. Oh, the king did. Yeah. Okay. Remember the whole we talked about? Dave, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, man. Yep. Catch up here. Good, Good point. So, uh, um, so, so, but, you know, could he have transferred that? It's, it's quite possible. We might, I mean, there is, they could, I mean, at the end of season two, it's, it's so, there's, there's just so much that can happen now, you know, because it, it ends rather ambiguously, you know, um, and, they can go in some crazy directions. They have a lot of options available to them in kind of exploring that relationship. Right, and the interesting thing is that they have been so caught up in the rules that, you know, if a wolf is supposed to serve the king for life, that's and that's the rule, uh, you know, I guess not that rules don't get broken, but it, it seems in the Fey world that there, uh, you know, a lot more thought goes into breaking rules, unless, of course, you're a certain succubus. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I think, and again, I mean, I know I keep going spoilers for the last two episodes here, but I mean, we, by the end of the season, we see so many, even of the traditional Fae, 
breaking rules that, you know, then we start to question the validity of, you know, and even trick himself, you know. Yeah. So, you know, something we'll, we'll hopefully see more of, you know, even trick as the blood king, uh, you know, does that mean he was, you know, a king in the traditional sense or was that just, uh, you know, a moniker that refers to his ability to, you know, write in blood and have what he writes come to pass? Yeah. And that he's or not. maybe he was like, you know, had like a blood grocery store. Come yeah. on down to the Blood King and we will sell you all the blood you want. Yeah. We got A, we got AB, we got O, we got O negative. Right. Come now, on down. Blood King's got craziest prices in fact. <laughs> okay. Well, before we get too far here, uh, the other thing I think we had said uh, last podcast is that we had, uh, or so we thought we were going to have a lot of time over the winter Christmas break, and as it turned out, we didn't have as much time as we thought we were. Never uh, worked out like that. Right. But that being human, you know, is still on the docket. I mean, we're not going to get to it tonight, but it is still something, you know, that, that we plan to do as our next pilot preview. And like we said before, hopefully we'll get Danielle in the studio since that's one of her main shows. So we haven't forgotten about it, people. We, we definitely will get to it. I, I almost started watching it the other night just because I was like, you know, I was like, eh, nothing. I was kind of like scanning around Netflix trying to find something. I was like, you know, maybe I'll check out being here. But I thought, you know what, I should really wait until we're going to officially do this thing. So I held off. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I keep thinking about whether I should go to Netflix or not. Uh, you know, since I'm on DirecTV, which I love, by the way, uh, product placement, uh, send us some you know, stuff, DirecTV. Hey, I'm um, on Verizon Fios. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I don't have any kind of uh, on-demand service. I mean, I mean, they, they do, but you got to go through your computer and blah, blah. But, uh, um, you know, I keep thinking about Netflix. So it, it may be something, you know, there's so much on there. But uh, the yeah, other- it's like it's eight bucks a month. Yeah. Eight bucks a month. And there's so much on there. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so worth it. It's 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 amazing. Yeah, for me, the only downside is I've got to then move my PS3 from my office upstairs uh, in the studio to downstairs in the family room. So, or you can just go and buy an Xbox. Ah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Or or we. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to pursue that later. All right. Well, anyway, the Xbox though, because uh, Xbox can do. Uh, Amazon Prime as well. You can stream it through your television, but we it, they don't have that uh, uh, for we yet. Oh, okay. Well, anything else before we get to Lost Girl? Uh, I don't think so. Do you want to talk about the Doctor Who Christmas special, or do you want to save that till the end and if we don't go too long? Or? Yeah, why don't we save that till the end? Okay. Okay. So, uh, all right, why don't we jump into, uh, we are at Season 2, Episode 18, Fainted Love. Boom, 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 boom. Now I feel I've got to run away. I've got to. You knew that was coming. I, I did know that was coming. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, you know, this block of three episodes uh, that we're going to do tonight were, you know, some really strong episodes. And uh, this is probably at, at first seems like the weak sister of the three. Uh, Though it was very, very funny. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, because the next two, uh, and not to jump too far ahead, really get into the, uh, right. you know, the meat of the 
story yeah. and where we're and, heading. And, yeah, in retrospect, this one ends up being pretty important to the overall story arc as well. You just don't really know it at the time because it, it seems like a one-off type show. Yeah, and you know we, we're, we're thrown into the world of religious fanaticism, or so it seems. Uh, you know, the opening scene, Bo's all bloody, holding a sword, clearly just been in some sort of uh, altercation, and calls Lambert to heal. Uh, you know, then we're we're sent to uh, you know some sort of a preacher trying to talk a woman into becoming a follower, like all her other neighbors. And then well, before that, there's the, the sex scene where she. Well, yeah, with uh, scrapes. So we got we got blood mixing blood and sex. Yeah, I'm like, did, did the '80s and '90s never happen? I mean, seriously, is this have we gone back to like the, the '60s and '70s? We just you know we just have sex with anyone and just roll around each other's blood. Well, apparently you do in the Fay community. Yeah, right? it's or crazy. These people need they need a, a Fay clinic or something like that. Okay. Well, I guess what I found fascinating about the early stages of this episode, you know, we've been talking about Nadia and her clingy behavior with Lauren, and now Lambert's acting all clingy, you know? Yeah, that was, you know, at first it's like really, I mean, it was just weird because it's so like, you know, not him, especially with these like wants to spoon, it's like. Right, and, and she's basically giving him the brush off, which I don't know seems seems real, right? I mean, it it you know seems like she really does want to you know cut things off with him, and then of yep. course the next thing you know, she just wants him to go. You know, it's like that that walk of shame. Yeah, like, it, it seemed a little bit more than that to me, but uh, you you know you could be right. So uh, I, I mean, I think part of it is yeah, she wants to break from him, but uh, part of it also is she just wants him out of there because. You know, and also she doesn't want Kenzie to uh, pop by and see that he, you know, he he stayed over. Right now, you know, you've already mentioned Nate, and and I know you've gone on record about how you feel about Nate. And in the the main story in this episode, it's uh, a character that we've seen, I believe, only once, but I don't think either of us really like him too much. And that's that street artist that Kenzie knows. See, you would be wrong. And you would need to go back and listen because I said I like Trist. Really? I think he's funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. He's hilarious, man. Well. Apparently his grandma has I mean if if I if if he were like an actual person I met, I'd probably be really annoyed. But as far as a character, I think he's a riot. Yeah, okay. Uh yeah, maybe I do need to go back and listen more. Um well anyway, <laughs> so his grandmother's apparently been taken. She's rewritten his her will and uh you know, Bo goes to investigate, and they find this congregation with the preacher who's got some serious mojo with the, his uh, holy water. And yeah, it goes all blue and sparkly, and then he shoves your head in it. Yeah, never a good sign when Kenzie uh, grabs a cookie and you know eats that. You know that's not going to not yeah, going to end it's, well. It's really like she's learned nothing over the last whatever, 30-some episodes, you know? Like, yeah. really, you go to some weird place, your whole life is weird stuff, and you just eat the cookie? Yeah. Come on, Kenzie, you're, you're better than that. You are better than that. Well, now, we, we jump right after that into what I think is going to essentially be the B story when Dyson's summoned to the Ash to interrogate a prisoner. Yeah, uh, uh, I think his prisoner's name was Hannibal Lecter. He, uh, yes, that's, that's exactly what I had in my notes, too. Uh, you know, the Ash warns him to be careful. Uh, Petros 
uh, was was this guy that apparently jumped to his death, and you know we find out that this prisoner he doesn't really use it's it's not really psychic abilities. He's not using you know telekinesis or anything like that. He's just using psychology, right? Yeah, in some way he can you know get people to. Uh, to I mean, I mean, gets in their heads. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just it's all like you know Hannibal. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's not like, uh, you remember that Fringe episode where the one guy, he gets the people, uh, he basically gets them to do things, and there's the scene where they're all up on the roof of the one high-rise building, and everybody's standing along the edge, and Olivia finally comes and, and talks. I believe his name was Nick, because I think he was one of the Cortexa fan kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, that was like a Doctor Who episode too. Um, you know, so not not like that kind of power, but uh, yeah, like you said, very Hannibal Lecter like. Yeah, he um, just, yeah, like you said, he gets in your head. There's probably some type of, I mean, because he is an underface, so there's some type of supernatural force at work here, seemingly. Right. Now, uh, now what I didn't understand is, uh, you know, usually we've got Bo going to trick for help in a case. Kenzie goes this time, and, uh, you know, it's probably not important, but he says it sounds like an adunct. Mm-hmm. A water... I, I, I didn't, once again, didn't follow up on this Okay, one, so. well, you know, a water fay. Once we get to a point where uh, we're doing just one episode a week, I'll be able to do more, uh, you know, research into the, the fay of the week. I yes, uh, or Project X. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, some sort of a water fay that, uh, uh, you know, wipes the victim's slate clean and then the person imprints on, you know, the, the first person she sees, right? Much like, uh, you know, right. a, a baby. Like a little duckling. Yeah, exactly, which is the uh, typical example that seems yeah. to be used when talk about, talking about imprinting. So, <coughs> uh, and, and so we see, you know, uh, of course, who gets imprinted? That would be Bo. That would be Bo, our girl Bo. And, oh, you know, really pretty hilarious scene. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I like the part where she's like, we might have S-E-X, you know, like. Oh, yeah. It's just so, you know, it's it's that reversal, right, that classic comedic um, technique of where you, you take someone and then you completely reverse uh, what they were like before. And, and it's funny because it's she's complete opposite of what she normally is. Right. Now, why is Lambert following her? I mean, obviously it turns out to be a good thing. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw him getting more clingy, and he's, he's just upping the ante. I mean, he tends to do that anyway. We, we've seen with, you know, like the, um, you know, redoing a high school dance and everything. Right. But uh, now it's just, it's just taking on kind of a different tone. With the whole, you know, end up with the whole let's get married thing and all that. It's right. Just, now, it's still weird. Right. Now, we finally do get to see what's inside the bracelet that he gave her. So, R-E-L, which we assume are his initials. I don't know what his middle name is. but uh, And then 12-3-42, which, yeah. you know. 42 is a good number. That's the, you know, the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. So Yes, and it's also, I believe, the sixth number in the... Uh, I know it yeah, and lost number right? sequence in, in loss. So you know, I don't know what it is. I About mean, twelve. I never like. I know like you're. I mean, I, I like Lost a lot, but I, I can never remember what the numbers are. But the people who are really into Lost like know those numbers like the back of their hands. So 
four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty three, forty two. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I don't have that written down. All right. So you, anyway, you, fail, um, you never fail to disappoint with that one. Man. All right. Now, you know, so whether those numbers will become significant or not, who knows? But uh, the, another funny scene, you know, Trick and Kenzie go to the church, confront the adunct. And, you know, the you know, so we see, uh, you know, Bo, uh, Bo's attire has has drastically changed to, you know, this really modest, you know, modest look, modest blouse. Kenzie's reaction to the preacher, you monster, yeah. Yeah. dressing her like that. Yeah, and we also discovered that, that showgirls is, is Kenzie's worst case scenario. Yes. Um, That's like, just trying to imagine what she's doing. She, she could be stripping and, and dancing for, it's like, okay. it's showgirls. Actually, a much maligned movie that's actually probably deserving of its maligned yeah, okay. for the most part. Yes, yeah. so it's got. But there's got, also it does have a certain appeal. I was going to say it does have some highlights, but uh, all right. So we see Lambert down on one. They're knee. done in like the first ten minutes, I think. Aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so right, we see Lambert down on one knee, gives Bo a ring, and you know, of course, it's not it's not our Bo. It's the you know Bo that's been imprinted, but uh, nonetheless, she's smitten with Mister Lambert takes her to an amazing bedroom which you know i guess this is his house right uh i guess you know um and what does she want a proper wedding dress right. you know, i want to be really pretty okay. <laughs> so yeah it's and again just that whole you know just everything being completely the you know she's basically like the anti-bell and so that's you know where all the you know the Hilarity ensues from. Yeah, I mean the trying on the dresses in the dress shop. I mean, you, you know, it's the, uh, I, it's the kind of the quintessential scene that's in almost every romantic comedy out there, and it's probably the last thing we expected to see in Lost Girl. But there it was, Bo trying right. on and wedding you dresses. You still can't keep a good succubus down because she still is totally desiring the <laughs> the one clerk in the dress store. All right. Well. As it turns out, according to Trick, we might have to have sex come to the rescue because he says that if she has relations, she could heal and the effect will probably wear off. Or she could drink the river from, uh, I, you know, I, I listened to uh, the, that scene several times. I still couldn't get the name of the river. But, yeah, I don't know. It seemed like some kind of poo water, though. You know. Yeah, but, uh, you know, so apparently the Fae are less susceptible than humans but you know so Bo starts to remember you know in fragments details about Kenzie Dyson Lambert suspects an adunct and you know (coughs) know, tries to come to the rescue they you know they find the water and and you know it's you know like you said when we first started talking about this episode uh you know to a certain extent it did seem like a one-off and uh you know, the, the, I mean, this whole storyline with the adunct doesn't really, you know, push the overall story anywhere, but it does kind of well, serve. Well, apparently, to- at this point, it doesn't seem to, but it ends up actually being rather important later. Well, yeah, yeah, That's spoiler, I guess, even though everyone listening to us has probably already seen the next couple of episodes, but... Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. it was, was funny. You know, I mean, it was, it was truly a, a, a funny episode. Um, with the whole role reversal, both for uh, Lambert, uh, Ryan, 
and Bo, um, both of them behaving very quite contrary to their the, the usual way we're expected them to. And you know what? I actually liked the B story in this one, maybe even more than the the main story. You know, this whole even though it starts off very just completely ripping off Silence of the Lambs, um, you know, I think it, it really delved even more into Dyson's character and, um, you know, and his ability to, to, you know, to get the confession out of that guy um, and, and, and to not give in to his kind of supernatural power thing was, was actually, I thought, pretty cool. Well, yeah, and, and the interesting thing is so much of the psychology that, uh, you know, that he's using on Dyson, I mean, it really is true, which is, you know, probably why he is so effective at doing this. Uh, you know, but and, and like you said, I think this the B story was probably more critical to moving the overall arc because <coughs> it's really dealing so much with, uh, you know, his relationship to not only Bo, but his relationship to the light Fay, um, you know, and, and that, uh, you know, Dyson tells him, I don't love anyone. And, right. you know, and, and, and part of it is, you know, whether he even loves himself, which, you know, is you know, obviously, it's a, to uh, before anything else, you've got to at least love yourself. True. So. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like he even has that. So at the end, when he you know is taking off his motorcycle, it's like you know, kind of understandable. You know? Just went through the uh, psychological ringer there, and, and uh, so as the kind of like Shane, you know, just heads off into the sunset. Yeah, and even though he does get the confession, he he doesn't look real. Uh, real strong there at the end. Yeah, no. But, I mean, he made it through without killing himself, which is more than, I mean, it seems like a lot of other pay right. had uh, been able to do. Now, uh, back to the uh, trying on the wedding dresses. <laughs> Bo has, uh, tells Lambert she's having second thoughts that, you know, maybe I have feelings for the young dress girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he knocks her out with an injection to the neck, and the next thing you know, she's on a plane. Uh, and we find out that Lambert's actually tied into the adunct, right? Right. And, uh, you know, tells him, do it again and make it last this time. Yeah, which is really, again, just completely contrary to his character. You know, he's, you know, he's never really cared about anything that seemed like to go to, like, extremes like this. Yeah. Um, As usual, it's uh, Kenzie along with Trick to the rescue, and, you know, we get to the, you know, I mean, heck, they actually, uh, you know, they were, uh, you know, um, presented as man and wife, right? I present Mrs. Ryan Lambert, uh, but, you know, Bo snaps out of it and whacks Lambert, um, not whacking like in the mafia, <laughs> mafia sense, but uh, he's still alive, but he perhaps wishes he wasn't. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I love the line when he wakes up. He sees. He says, uh, "I need a whiskey and a beer and a side of strippers." <laughs> right. Yeah, I was like, "That was a, that's classic." You know, it's just like, "Hey, he's back." Right. And then, of course, uh, Trick says, "Then he needs uh, candles, white cloth, and Kenzie." And uh, you know, then we see the uh, you know the the closing scene. Uh, you know, like uh, you you already mentioned, Dyson on his motorcycle rides off, and then we're back at the doll. Kenzie and Lambert apologizing, Bo, uh, you know, realizing, you know, you mentioned again a couple minutes ago about the blood and the sex and that, uh, 
you know, realizing that, you know, the whole mingling of their blood is perhaps what, uh, you know, made Lampert go all mushy. Um, and then, uh, you know, then at the very end, you know, when I ask you the questions I have, I'm going to want answers. And Trick tells her message received loud and clear. So now, you know, what are the questions she she's going to ask? It's really a vague answer. You know, he doesn't say, okay. This would say, give a nice definitive, sure, I will answer your questions when you want, when you have them. But instead, it's like, I hear you. Right. And, I mean, we assume they're related to her background, who she is, who her parents were, and all that. But, sure. Uh, so, anyway, anything else on episode 18? No. Okay. No. All right, now we get to the good stuff, uh, yeah. because the next four, 19, I mean, we're going to talk only about 19 and 20 tonight, but uh, 21 and 22 are obviously uh, uh, pretty cool. Now, Truth of Consequences was uh, directed by <laughs> Lee Rose and... and uh, Written by Grant Rosenberg. Right, who also did Masks, which... Okay, which that was a great episode. Yeah. This is a really Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, this one's o- opens with uh, your favorite guy, Nate, and we got Kenzie blindfolded, and Nate gives her the key to his apartment. And uh, I mean, I think we all at that point have our index finger firmly placed in our mouth, pressing down on their tongue. Yeah, on our tongue. I think I, I think I actually uh, was touching my uh, my uh, my stomach yeah i threw up a little in my mouth during that scene and uh but yeah like i said you know like i i just i almost feel bad for for aaron ashmore because they just make his character like just like purposefully lame you know yeah it's probably you know you can't help it i mean kenzie's surrounded by all these these uh you know fey and these exotic creatures and everything and what's a What's a normal guy? How how can he compete in that world? You know. Well, and that's part of the problem. I mean, not only can't he compete, but it's <laughs> he can't know anything. I mean, and, and that's a lot of Kenzie's dilemma. Well, that, and, and in that way, Kenzie is a little bit of a hypocrite because you know, like it's okay for her to cast off Nate because it's for his own good. But when Bo tries to do the same for her. That's unacceptable, you know. Well, now so, are you talking about back in the in the during the pilot episode, or are you just mean in? Well, just in, in this episode. Okay, I think it's this episode. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because at the end of the one, this is where she she she. Yeah, this is where she, Kenzie breaks up with him at the end of this episode. Right. So you know, I'm just saying that it's like it, it's it's like this kind of hypocrisy here because um, you know. It, like like it's okay. It, I mean, it's the same thing with uh, Nate's career, right? Uh, this potentially getting signed with the Morgan. You know, it's like almost like I know what's better for you, better than you do. Well, that's that's not a good relationship, right? No, right. In, in a good relationship, you say, "Well, here's the deal. Take it or leave it." You know, if you if you accept this mission, you're probably going to get killed, and I, I don't want that. But but yet at least he has a choice here, and she's removing them, both with the Morgan and in this, she takes choice away from the guy. Right, but it does come down to whether or not he can be trusted to know <coughs> the Fey secrets. 
You know, I mean, yeah, look, yeah, Bo, Bo, Bo took a chance with Kenzie back. You know, that's why I wasn't sure if you were referring to back in the right, pilot yeah, episode. Yes, right. good point. I didn't, I didn't really think about that. That he, uh, you know, they can't tell him because they can't reveal this world to the humans. So it seems like there's a pretty fair number of humans who, you know, know about the Fae. Yeah. So it's, it's not a, exactly a well kept secret. No, true. But uh, so then, right after that, we see Bo reporting to Lachlan and. and Again, the last few episodes, we really see that she has become Lachlan's go-to person and tells her that he believes one of the high-ranking Fae may have been compromised, that uh, apparently the Glaive, who we've, uh, you know, was, you know, a, a pretty fun episode when the Glaive, that was the Glaive's daughter, right, that they were babysitting. Yes. All right. Uh, is seeking a pact with the Garuda which could lead to the Fey War, which obviously is what the Garuda wants and what Trick's been trying to avoid for, you know, however many years. And Lachlan wants her to neutralize the Glaive. Yeah, which that's like, because we know the Glaive is a you know, big muckety-muck, so, you know, Lachlan, or basically putting out a hit on the Glaive, that's, that's some serious stuff. Right, and that's, uh, you know, not that Bo hasn't killed anybody, but... She certainly is not, you know. She's not an assassin. No, she's not an assassin. That's all right. Yeah. But, uh, but yet, you know, we, we never know because she does have a talent for when her back is against the wall that uh, doing what needs to be done. All right. Well, I don't even want to talk about Nadia. Do, is there anything we... All right. Now, now yeah, th no. this episode's called Truth and Consequences. So one of the things that occurred to me, all right, well, you know, the truth. All right. Well, the truth on the one hand, Kenzie's lying to Nate about her real life. That's the truth. Uh, right. Lauren's withholding the truth about Nadia's coma. <coughs> right. Okay. Uh, Trick and Lachlan's identities. I mean, you know, you know, back to... Uh, you know the the uh, you know the the question in the email about whether or not uh, you know Dyson is now you know serving right where where is loyalty trick, you know right. right I mean is he a true king in the traditional sense I mean what's sure. the deal so so you know there's a lot of you know uh, truths that are actually lies and you know the interesting thing will be to see what the consequences of these lies will eventually be right and, and I mean you have all this kind of underhanded stuff going on where. Lachlan wants Hale to spy on Trick. Trick wants Hale to spy on Lachlan. Lachlan is sending Bo in undercover to, you know, neutralize the glaive. You know, and there's, so there's all this underhanded stuff. You know, Nadia, you know, basically, um, Lauren says, oh, I've got the cure for your illness. And she's like, oh, I don't want to take the shot. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, then, you know, I'd be like, let's stop bitching about it then you know well, take, take an aspirin and go and run a mile or something stop whining about how you don't feel good if you're not going to take your shot you big baby <laughs> well you know the, the the next scene and and this was pretty cool as well when uh you know because she's instructed to bring in the glaive dead alive <laughs> and you know so they go to the speech that the glaive's giving touting the role of fey women and you know it's really inspirational speech and you know when they meet after the uh, speech is over and she tells Bo that she should be held up as a role model to all fey women and you really just see this you know this kind of 
awe that Bo feels as she's listening to the Glaive talk, just really like falling under her spell. Yeah, yeah, she, she totally gets fished in, no question mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And, and obviously Trick's trying to warn her of that because that's what the Glaive does, right? This, you know, charismatic telepath. Um, yeah, which is funny because nothing puts me on my guard more than people complimenting me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Good maybe point. it's just maybe it's just me. I, I, it's probably just me. Hopefully it's just me. It's totally messed up. I can't take it properly. Someone says something nice to me. I'm automatically like, oh, "What do you want?" Right. What are you, what are you trying to get? <laughs> you know. So uh, hopefully the rest of people are, are, are more genuine than I am. I guess about that. But uh, but but certainly someone, especially who's just giving a you know BS inspirational speech to a bunch of women, like. Um, you know, when she says something like that, that should have put Bo on her guard. But now she's like, "Oh golly, thank you, Mrs. Glaive." Yep, yeah. and, and that and it leads into the the scene with the two of them, uh, where the Glaive tells her, "You know, it's about time you align yourself." And you know, Bo gets into talking about you know Trick as her mentor, and uh, you know the Glaive's trying to kind of fish, you know, for information about Trick and about their relationship, and. You know, clearly she's playing Bo and, and and eventually just physically restrains her. Yeah. Right. Um, sends her to the white room. In the white room. I don't know the rest of the lyrics. With black curtains in the station. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was listening to some cream earlier. Uh, in yeah. The week. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Jack Bruce was, was uh, you know, like obviously Eric. When you're in a band with Eric Clapton, everyone says, "Oh, you know, Eric Clapton, Eric Clapton." But you know, like Jack Bruce, man, he just had a killer voice. That's well, just a, now I'll tell you, you, you know how you get on YouTube, and I'm sure our listeners know what uh, what I'm talking about. You get on YouTube, and 15 minutes later, you're watching videos, and you have absolutely no idea how you got here. Uh, that yeah. happened to me a, about a week ago, uh, and I ended up watching the Cream reunion. I think that was in like 2007 or oh, something like yeah, that. Oh yeah, I saw that like VH1 classic. Oh, ooh, awesome! But yeah, uh, it was really good. Yeah, but anyway, we digress. Uh, <laughs> so was, the Glaives, you know, really playing Bo takes her to the white room where she's basically intending to torture her and then kill her. And uh, we haven't seen the old suck your touch in a while, but uh, Bo pulls it out, suck your touches her guards, and then uh, throws a knife into the glaive's chest. Yeah, that was, I was like, man, so maybe she is an assassin. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, I was pretty sure she wasn't going to kill her, but then she totally kills her. Yep, and brings the body to Lachlan. Well, you know, again, I it's, she doesn't want to, but, you know. Right. She really pissed her off, though, man. I mean, she definitely was asking for it. So, now, um, you know, back in the B story, Trick needs Hale's help with uh, some intel rega- regarding Lachlan. And, you know, he's kind of putting Hale in the middle in, a, in certainly an uncomfortable position. And Lachlan tells Hale that he need. you know, Lachlan knows what's going on. It seems to be pretty evident and tells him to not underestimate him. And, you know, Hale does, I think, what he probably, you know, was the smart thing. It's like, you know what, don't don't put me in the middle. You two guys talk it out. And Yeah, I mean, it shows, we, we've mentioned how Hale is taking this kind of increasing role and he's becoming more of a central character. 
And we really see here him demonstrating, like, true, like if, if this guy's going to lead Clan Zamora, this is the type of, these are the type of decisions he needs to make, you know. And, and he realizes he is in a completely, between, between a rock and a hard place. He says, listen, what's our goal? We both want to get rid of the Garuda. Instead of me spying on you and spying on for him and you, me spying on you for him, you two sit down and hash this out. And, and that's a... Uh, yeah, that was a that was a quality move on on Hale's part. There. Yeah. Now the the thing the interesting thing that happens in that scene also is that he slips and mentions that tricks the Blood King, and Lachlan says, "Oh, I always I suspected that." <coughs> well, he didn't know, and then even more, uh, you know, shocking is probably not too strong a word. Lachlan kneels in front of trick and then and offers his services to the blood king yeah no that was that was definitely shocking no question about it so and you know i think we've certainly reevaluated how we feel about lachlan and and that you know he is one of the good guys i mean like a lot like a lot of leaders right i mean they have to do things that you know may not be popular but are for the greater good uh now unfortunately we yeah, unfortunately, we have to deal just briefly with the C story with uh, the old, old Nate and Kenzie. And Kenzie- yeah, but, uh, but before we move on, though, there there is that one because it's like this one little funny line where um, Trick says something about you know Lachlan being the Naga, and and uh, and Hale's just like, no one tells me anything. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just that it's like damn, it's something else I didn't know. You yeah, know, it is true. Everyone else knew that except for except for Hale. Yeah. Um, well, the interesting thing, then you see Kenzie come to Trick and ask what her role is in the coming war with the Garuda and tells her she's not part of the Fey future and that Bo's love for you is a distraction. And basically the best thing to do is take your boyfriend and get out of town. Yeah. And that's, you know, he's not being mean. No. You know, he's just, you know, he's, he's telling the truth. It's true. You know, that Bo will do anything to protect Kenzie. And so when Kenzie's around, Bo is vulnerable. Yeah. There. And, you know, it seemingly, uh, she took it to heart because one of the next scenes we see is her with Nate. And, you know, she's, uh, you know, he's really pushing the relationship thing. She doesn't push him away. They, you know, they lock into, uh, you know, a pretty significant kiss. And, uh you know, I think I guess it's him that says that was some goodbye kiss, and and it probably is a goodbye kiss, right? I mean, that probably is it. Um, and then Kenzie's left to wonder, you know, really what her place is, and 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 you know, for the character that's so often uh, at the center of really the comic relief, you know, pretty serious stuff as she's trying to really reevaluate where she fits in, if anywhere. Yeah, definitely um, was yeah, more drama and not really a lot in the way of comic relief for for Kenzie this time. I mean, it was it was good. Yeah, you know I mean, uh, Cassini Solo once again shows uh, a lot of versatility here um, in a especially in the the breakup scene, which could be, you know, I think it was probably one of the most genuine scenes between certainly the most genuine scene between Nate and and Kenzie in in, in the series. Um, Maybe one of the most genuine straight up Kenzie scenes. Um, you know, it was very emotional. I even I started to feel bad for. I felt bad for Nate, honestly. I, you know, I kind of felt bad, especially for all the all the 
how many times I dumped him on, on <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, you know, I, because you know, again, both both actors there um, really really pull it off, and, and he does a good job of kind of taking it like a man and and uh, retaining his dignity in when he's actually getting his heart, you know, just freaking ripped out of his chest. And again, the interesting thing here is also that it's again, it's this love triangle, but certainly not in the sense that Lauren, Bo, and Dyson have that love triangle because you know she is conflicted about her love for Bo, which is as a sister, and her love for Nate. And obviously, you, you, we we know who she's going to choose, and and she does choose Bo. And the scene you're talking about, you know, it, I've mentioned you know my one main non-sci-fi show is NCIS and and it harkens back to a scene there where one of the agents had gone undercover and was supposed to you know get close to this one girl and you know he ends up really falling in love with her and then at the end you know his partners tells him he says look you got to go tell her what she needs to hear and he goes and tells her look I never loved you it was all a put on you know even though that was a lie just to you know, right. to, just to, to break it off because that's what she does to Nate, right? She says, right, yeah. Right. I mean, she, she. It was never real. Yeah, and that's, you know, it, it's harsh. Um, and like I said, I think hypocritical. I, I really think, you know, as, as much as I really didn't necessarily care for Nate as a character, um, I think Kenzie treated him like he was a junior member of a relationship. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, and uh, and wouldn't, you know, never got to the point of really trusting him with the truth or feeling that he could handle the truth. Right, and it gets, you know, she's then finally put in this position where she really has no option other than to do what she, what she does, and and it's a uh, well, the, the other option is to run off with him. Well, right? but like what Trick says to you know, to, but that's not really an option, really. I mean, you know, because she's not going to abandon these people that she's, you know that she's come to love and I mean look how many times she's put her own life in jeopardy for you know these people so I don't I guess I never saw that as a real option to run off with him you know knowing that the war with the Garuda is just over the horizon I, I mean I, I saw it as an option but I, you're right I, I, I agree in that I don't think it was an option that Kenzie would ever realistically take so. yeah but but it certainly was and I think she probably really considered it um, I mean trick makes a good point, you know, like you you don't help though, you make her more vulnerable. Now obviously Kenzie doesn't see it like that. You know, she Kenzie and rightly so uh understands that I've saved Bo's bacon a lot of times and probably and I guess it's kind of unfair of, of Trick to say that because really if you if you look at the tally, the number of times Bo has been threatened because of Kenzie's involvement is probably much less than the number of times that Kenzie has uh, has saved Bo or helped her out right um now we actually have a fourth storyline going on you know and you would think in a one hour show which basically you know boils down to about you know 42 or 43 minutes of actual episode that uh, if you're going to talk get four storylines in there you really can't do any of them justice but i guess uh, that's you know kudos to the writers for being able to to handle that but we do have a little bit with Lauren and Nadia where uh, Lauren finally sees something in Nadia's blood. Nadia won't take the injections. And, you know, we see her holding the, the butcher knife 
and uh, you know comes after Lauren in the shower straight out of uh, Psycho, and you know then you know Nadia shows up at Bose, throws Kenzie on the ground. You know we've got Nadia going psycho, completely psycho. Uh, forgive the the pun there, off completely off the rails. Yeah, we we never really liked her in the first place, um, and. You know, and then she was all clingy and stuff, and now she's moved from being clingy to being, you know, psychotic, and so now it's the point where we just, you know, we just can't wait for her to be gone, and luckily it happens very quickly. Yes. Well, I, don't, I shouldn't say luckily because again, I, I once again, once uh, she is killed, and you realize that the Garuda was inside her, and and she ends up pleading with Bo to kill her, and you know, which Bo does. Um, immediately, I then also feel guilty for all the bad things I said about her as well. So twice in one show, um, I really felt bad about you know spouting off about these characters in, in the podcast. Right, and part of the problem with Nadia is we never got to see what she was like before. Exactly, you know, right. and, and she's always been clingy and, and naughty and, and annoying right from you know word one. Right, and that certainly doesn't seem to be. I mean, you know, Lauren's attracted to Bo, and Bo is you know. The antithesis of that so um, but you well, know I, like my my question though is this is like at what point did the garuda figure out that this human is the best way to spy on the light fay you know it just seems pretty random you know like they 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 had this storyline that they it had with you know Lauren's girlfriend, and then they eventually they're like, okay, well, once we've thrown it out there, we gotta, you know, we can't just have her indefinitely being in a coma. It can't be, you know, like four or five seasons of coma girl, so we gotta get her out of it. So now we got her out of it. Now what the hell do we do with her? Right, because the whole thing with uh, <coughs> Nadia going into the coma, that was related to the Ash, you know, uh, wanting to have Lauren under his thumb. Right, so right. he he orchestrated that. Yeah, right. And so so now you've you've kind of, it's like you, you've pain, you've literally painted yourself into well not literally you've figuratively painted yourself into a corner here with with your writing. You you've got this character, and now you brought her out of her coma, and you realize that she just does not have a place in the show. Quite honestly, yeah. yeah. Um. And you know, it's it's not because of lack of you know, like uh, the the actress was was fine. She did a great job. Um, you know, but it's just that she's this extra character. Nate pretty much is the same thing. You know, like is it because Kenzie can't have a significant relationship? No, she can, but you just can't bring in these outside people because now we're it's just it's like it's too many characters and people who don't really contribute. You know, so now we got to get rid of her. So let's come up with some crazy ass idea of, of how to get rid of her. And oh yeah, we'll have the uh, the Gruda was inside of her this whole time. And you're like, what? But that doesn't make why? Why? Why would he pick her? Why not pick Lauren? If you're gonna in, invade someone, how about the girl who goes and meets with the Ash every day? Right. And, and I'm not sure what it ends up doing for him anyway. But yeah. Um, I mean, you know, maybe he just 
Wanted to see Lauren naked. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, in the closing scene, we see Bo's pretty shell-shocked after killing Nadia, finds Kenzie in her bed looking despondent. And, and, and again, we, we know it's, you know, it, it's, again, it's like in bed as a sister, nothing, you know, nothing untoward. And then, they, you know, talking about, you know, maybe someday things will be different and I can have a normal life, but right now this is the life I choose. And, uh, you know, just kind of like just reinforcing that whole idea of what we've seen build up over two seasons is that despite the fact that she's this tiny little human, she really is, uh, you know, Bo's rock. And despite, you know, Bo's power and, uh, you know, that without Kenzie, you know, she's certainly not going to be the, uh, uh, you know, the presence that she has been and needs to be. And then. What I had in my notes, because I was watching it, uh, you know, on uh, Sci-Fi, I T-voted it, you know, several months ago, I uh, wrote in my notes, oh, and Nate's now in Warehouse 13. Yeah, I did see that. Um, Except you know, I still have only seen the pilot of Warehouse 13, but yeah, I see he's got a regular gig on that show now, so yeah, well done, Aaron. Yep. You're so, a pretty good actor. Yep. I didn't like your character, but you did a good job, an admirable job of acting, So. and your brother kicks ass as Iceman. All right, so... Um, that's all I got for that episode. Um, the other thing else I would have is just that this whole thing, this is the life that I choose. I mean, that's, you know, that's straight out of the opening credits, right? That, mm -hmm. that this show is all about, you know, not letting other people make choices for you, but you determining your own path. Uh, and, you know, obviously Bo is all about that. And, and we see that with Kenzie now as well too just like you know i i choose this. this is what i choose so if i get hurt if i die you know it's like she's like basically telling Bo, don't sweat me you don't worry about me you know because i'm good i'll take care of myself and if something happens to me it's because i made the choice to be here and you don't have to feel that responsibility right so and she kind of you know allows then Bo to, to do what needs to be done and that's one of the strong points of this whole episode is that you see those two characters like you just said, making, you know, making life choices as the, you know, war is coming to them. So, all right, well, why don't we take a look at episode 20, Lachlan's Gambit. And, you know, essentially, this is part one of a three-part finale. I mean, would you say that's reasonable? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Uh, and even, like, even episode 19, maybe we can, might be like the prequel of you know that's like really sets the stage and then these last three it's now it's all about battling the group yeah but you can only have a trilogy in sci-fi and fantasy um you can but you can sometimes what, make what would what would a four-parter be called uh quadrilogy okay quadrology yeah. I, I don't know yeah so well has anyway there, has there been i mean you know the harry potter went eight movies yeah Seven books, eight movies. Octology. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, uh, opening scene of Lachlan's Gambit. Uh, Trick calls Bo because the unnatural acts are occurring in nature, right? Straight out of Shakespeare. Straight out of, straight out of Shakespeare. Yeah, no question. The, especially the horses killing themselves. is That's uh, that's right out of Macbeth. Yep. And it's, it's not the first Macbeth reference uh, we've had this show. i can't remember the others but i know we've mentioned Macbeth before yeah um and you know so he fears it's related to the coming of the garuda which you know obviously 
um, and that the well, know, duh, right, <laughs> right, and and again, the whole idea that the animals can sense things that the humans can't, and in this case, they can sense things that the fae can't, uh, that uh, the Garuda is near, uh, and then that small fae bores up through the hole to talk to Trick. Yeah, that was a bit surprising. Yeah, uh, and he was a very interesting character, the, the way he talked. The mole tells him that the Garuda, the Garuda is nowhere to be found, uh, and then three badasses come into the bar to take Trick. Uh, but, you know, Bo stands her ground, and who's there to help? Uh, Hale and Kiara. Yeah. Uh, and we, and we've re- we see Kiara's, like, power, which we haven't seen before, which is really pretty sweet. You know, like she can just disappear and reappear somewhere else. Yeah, um, but more than that, and that was pretty darn cool, I guess what I just like is that whole, uh, because you know it's tearing both of them apart, the whole thing with Dyson. Yet, they're able to come together, work together, and I think you know they clearly have that mutual respect for each other, and that uh, in any other circumstance, in any other situation, they probably would be best friends. True, and you know, like I'm, I'm gonna, at this point, I'm going to just put out there that you know, back way back, I said I thought Kiara was good. You you didn't like her. I liked her, so I feel vindicated okay. here. Thank you. All right. Well. You were, you were right, I was wrong. Yeah, I can never hear that enough times. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. All right. Now. <laughs> well, at this point, I just need to say that as I was watching this, uh, I finally, uh, you know, I, I saw on Netflix, that now Netflix, in, in case you did not know, uh, Lost Girl is now available on Netflix, which is awesome. Streaming. It, uh, it, streaming, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm, it had been available. Just, I, don't, I don't know if. Because I don't, I don't get the disc uh, service. Well, I just know from talking to somebody else, it had been available on discs, but not streaming. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. So now it's available streaming, which is when I say Netflix, that's but I, it's just stupid that you even do doing discs at all anymore. But anyway, um, but so I'm watching it, you know. And first of all, you the when the the show the showcase uh, thing comes at the beginning, there's no sound. And I'm like, what? And and then like uh, during the the uh, theme song, you can barely hear it. I'm like, you are freaking kidding me, man! You know, so it's basically I can hear the dialogue all right, but any kind of background noise, you can barely hear it all. So that was slightly annoying, but wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like a deal breaker, but I was annoyed. But then when I went the next like two days later to watch the last two episodes, it was all fine. All right. So I guess Netflix, whatever was going on that particular day, I guess they got it worked out. All right. Well, that's just my little little, little soapbox there. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, again, I guess that kind of stuff is important because so many people look. You're you're not unusual. Well, you're unusual, but uh, you're not Don't unusual. You tell me, I'm not unusual. <laughs> you're not unusual in that sense that you know so many people are you know uh, grabbing their content you know that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and if it's not there, then people are gonna be like, "Well, what the hell?" You know. Yep. All right. So, uh, so many other. It's available in so many other outlets that you know if it, you know Netflix doesn't provide top quality uh, product that you know people just go elsewhere. Okay. Now the, you know, I guess the A story and what we see, you know, the the first scene after the opening scene comes back is, uh, Trick has the mole, and. 
you know, needs to get information out of them, and he's basically torturing them. And it is, you know, again, Bo, you know, and again, I guess Bo still, to a certain extent, is naive about, you know, because as he said, we're at war. And she tells her she needs to develop a thicker skin if she's going to survive this war. And that, you know, he, he understands that the Garuda was seeing through Nadia, spying on them. And, and, you know, we need to find out what it is the mole knows. Yeah, Jack Bauer is gone but not forgotten, man. That that scene was just straight out of 24, you know. Yep. Um, now, in the B story, and I think we just got two stories here, Bo goes to meet Lauren, who's not doing too well, and, you know, I guess understandably so. I, I, I get that she's upset, right? But she's, like, all pissy with Bo, and it's like, wait a second, Lauren. In my recollection, you told Bo to kill her. Right, so Bo does it, and now you're all pissed at her. Like, what? What the hell, man? Yeah, no, I yeah, I agree. And and uh, right, we get that she's broken up over Nadia's death, but yeah, really. Um, so I mean, she tried. She she did. Granted, the, the grid was inside her, but she tried to stab you when you were in the shower. Right. That uh, to most people is kind of like a relationship deal breaker type thing. Right now, on the heels of that, we see Dyson shirtless punching his bag as usual when Kiara comes in and uh yeah, well not just shirtless but wearing jeans yeah of course uh she pulls a knife on him while they're doing it yeah um that was that was strange yeah and then uh cuts to lauren asking to sleep with Bo, but she just wants to sleep nothing else yeah, well, so, what are you going to do, right? So, you know, this whole B story, I guess we're, you know, still, uh, I guess on the one hand, uh, do we need to have some resolution with the relationships? Not really. I think, really, I guess to me, what this whole B section served to do was just really show that these people, you know, they're, they're, those relationships are still going on, the, uh, you know, the tension still going on, but they're all going to have to come together in the next couple episodes, you know, to fight this war with the Garuda. Yeah. And it, it, it is, I think that scene just does kind of reinforce uh, the relationships and everything like that. And you know, honestly, more admiration for Kiara. That's just a chick who just pulls out a knife during sex. I mean, that is, that is about as kinky as it gets. Yep. Well, and then we've got the scene, you know, a little bit later when uh, Dyson comes into the bar, Kiara, Bo, and Kenzie are there armed with knives, swords, and, uh, you know, and then we've got Hale, who's clearly got some residual, uh, you know, feelings with Dyson left over from when uh, he was, you know, with Hale's sister. So, you know, the whole bar scene was kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah, but there's, you know, they, they, they learn to put all that aside, you know, and, and realize that they've, they've got to, you know, work together. Right, and I think that's the whole point of the, you know, that scene. Yeah. Now, Lachlan... Oh, has, oh, there's one thing. I, I just I was looking at my notes, and, um, you know, the, the, the really kind of what I like, which also, you know, as they're having this conversation, you realize Kiara's probably dead before the end of this episode, Um where she's, they talk about Stefan together. You know, they really hadn't talked about him at all. And, and Dyson says, you know, I, I really miss him. And she's, and she's like, I do too, you know. They really haven't addressed that kind of elephant in the room before, but they, they talk 
uh, very immature manner here and everything. And it's, uh, I, I, I like that. I thought that was a neat little touch for that scene. Yeah. Um, now, Lachlan tells Trick that, you know, your blood could stop all of this right now, you know, the, and, uh, you know, and, and I mean, it certainly is something that, that, you know, I think we've thought about. Why doesn't Trick just, you know, write it in his blood and it'll come to pass? But, you know, there's all, as he said before, there's always a catch. And anytime I do it, things do not work out the way we intended. Well, and, and more specifically, using his blood is exactly what the Garuda wants him to do. So, you know, probably not a great idea. Right. And, and I think he even says, and, and this is, comes after, you know, it's like uh, Lachlan's trying to convince him, you know, shows him the, the severed heads and all of that. Uh, but Trick tells him that the last time I wrote with my blood is when the Garuda came to power so that there's always a price. And, you know, I think, I guess what Trick's trying to get across is that, you know, there could be a worse evil than the Garuda down the road, which may be hard to believe, but... Uh, yeah, but when you do things without considering the consequences, that's, what, you know, what happens. If there's unforeseen consequences, that's the nature of them. They're unforeseen. You know, and, and, uh, and so when you're dealing with something that can cause tremendous aftershocks, you know, it has to be done much more carefully and sagely and not just, you know, because it seems like it's the easy thing to do. All right. Now, what were your feelings on this whole story about Dyson's vision? You know, the, uh, the clash between the wolf and the eagle has been foretold and, you know, all of that stuff. Do you remember that? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that's it's well, it's you know, who's right, the Nain Rouge or the wolf, the wolf spirit. Um, and uh, you know, if, if uh, someone's named the wolf spirit, it sounds like they've got uh, some pretty valuable insight. You know, but as we've seen throughout literature, uh, most notably in the story of Oedipus, that if we put too much stock in predictions and, and try to live our life based on things that are foretold, then we end up really kind of causing more damage than, you know, than, than we intend. So it's best to, you know, if someone tells you they, they know your future and they tell you your future, uh, take it with a grain of salt. Just continue living your life. Do not make decisions based on what you think your future is, or you'll end up marrying one of your parents and you know, fathering and having you know your own children will be your siblings as well right now and you'll kill the other parent right well. now, so don't, now just don't do it now the other thing is it, it kind of comes down to you know dyson i mean he he's feels like he's he's the chosen one right he he feels like that he's the one that's going to go and take care of the garuda when you know bo's like well, well wait what, what about me i thought i was the chosen one i thought i was lachlan's champion and Dyson tells her, well, but the wolf spirit told, you know, you know, me that. And Bo's like, okay, man, right. your wolf spirit says you're the, cha then you're the champion. Right. Go on ahead, tough guy. Right. And, you know, the, I guess one of the things that, that occurred to me, and I think he even alludes to it, is that, you know, if he is successful here in this coming battle, that his ability to love might return. So. Yes. And then we're back with. Right. You know, the relationship 
BS we're dealing with in season one. So. Right. So who is the chosen one? Was it Bo or is it Dyson? So uh, I believe it's Luke Skywalker. Okay. Um, all right. Now, Trick's giving instructions on how to kill the Berserkers. Uh, who the heck are the Berserkers again? Oh, I, this actually, I, I don't need to look this one up. Uh, Berserkers in Celtic, uh, uh, actually Celtic history, were special type of warriors. And we've talked about Cahulan before. Cahulan is, you know, he, he was a berserker. He would get into battle and he would undergo this intense change where he'd just basically go crazy. So these guys were like the most feared warriors. They would get up on the front lines and basically take on the whole army on their own. They would just go completely nuts and would just have reckless abandon and um, and were these really intense warriors uh, who just no one would mess with at all. And so that's like Cahulun was a berserker. Cahulun is apparently his, his feet would turn backwards uh, and his hair would stand on end and things like that. So they would just like enter like a whole different realm. Yeah. So and the so the berserkers here are not as you know they're not as badass as that, um, because they can just get you know beaten by getting knocked on the head. Okay. Um, so the last you know I, I guess the last third or last quarter of the episode you know really the the battle for all intents and purposes starts you know the Ash sends all of his <coughs> guards to help Bo because he believes Bo and Dyson's visions. Uh, still thinks Bo's his champion, but you know he's willing to put himself in a vulnerable position to help uh, help them, which obviously doesn't turn out to uh, you know to be a good thing. The Garuda, pretty the Garuda's pretty badass. I mean that scene where he's got his you know the flaming wings. Yeah, he's got yeah. the big lightsaber. Yeah, spread out, and uh, and the next thing you know that that all our you know uh, light Fey are arguing with each other and. Uh, and then Kiara gets a slash across the gut, and you know, I think that was, you know, it could be predicted that she was going to die in this battle, and that uh, if you were going to ask who was going to be the first one to die, yeah, she, she would yeah. be my, she'd be my my call just because yeah, with that um, that that scene between uh, her and Dyson is smacks of you know, I'm I'm going to die soon, yeah. Um, but that being said, I, I was I was shocked when it happened, and, and not not at all happy. You know, I mean, she was just she had really just kind of become awesome, and then they kill her off. Yeah, which sucked. So, all right. Well, the Garuda shows up at the ashes. Ash tells Trick to hide, and the next thing you know, you've got uh, you know you got the two of them circling each other like fighters in a ring, and again. Uh, I was a little shocked when the Garuda just cuts off the Ash's head. But, you know, he does, like, he's all Obi-Wan. And that, by the way, is like my third Star Wars reference in the last 10 minutes, I think. Um, but uh, it was a totally Obi-Wan Kenobi type thing where he, you know, he basically offers up his own head. He looks over a trick like, hey, this is this is the plan, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's upsetting, but... Obviously, it's you know it's called Lachlan's Gambit, right? Right. And right. this is this is all part of the plan, and it seems strange, just as we didn't understand why Ben Kenobi sacrificed himself at the time. Uh, at the time, we don't really understand why 
uh, Lachlan is, is doing the same. But there you go. Right. And, and you know, that, that Lachlan has a plan. And, <coughs> and apparently, you know, Lachlan and Trick were in on this plan together because, you know, now it's the, the Garuda versus Trick who, you know, Blood King or not, seems to be outmanned here. Yeah, but, plus I, I was under the impression he was supposed to stay hidden. And as soon as Lachlan's dead, he steps out. It's like, wait a second. Weren't you supposed to stay hidden? Yep. But uh, he's got a plan. The mole comes up from the floor, takes the Garuda with him. I'm not sure I exactly understood, ex- you know, uh, how all that transpired. Well, he's uh, got the little dog whistle, right? Yeah. So he, he blows the little whistle, and, and we saw it earlier. Like, he can summon the mole by blowing this whistle. So he blows the whistle. And the... What you're thinking, if, if he could have done that, why didn't he do that? Like, eight, I mean, I know it doesn't kill the Garuda, but still, like, you know, he could have probably saved Lachlan by you know, calling on the mole and having him take him away. Right. Eight, um, but yeah, you know. Right. So you know, you know, Lauren is. You know, we find out she's got the uh, the venom that's going to kill the Garuda. Uh, Kenzie's missing. You know, there's so. You know, there's a lot of kind of chaos going on. At, at, uh, towards the end of the scene, Dyson sends Kenzie, Bo, and Hale away to keep Bo safe while he fights off the Berserkers single-handedly. And, uh, you know, the the kind of closing scene, we see Bo's gone off to find Kenzie. Uh, the venom is coagulating, so now we're not sure if it's actually going to work. And we find out that Kenzie has stayed to help Dyson. I mean, yeah, we, we, I don't, you know what? It's almost like we don't even need to uh, talk about what a heroic figure Kenzie has become or has always been, really. Yeah, no no question about yeah. it. Yeah, and she's pushing the unconscious Dyson on a cart, and uh, Bo, I think, finally recognizes that, you know, that everything is on her. All right, bring it on. And right. And we're left... Yeah, with- it was just, you know, we see all the, the sacrifice that, that goes on here, and you know, it's all for this kind of greater good as part of the plan and, and that we see heroism all around, you know, as, as far as our little, um, as what will become to known as, as Team Bo uh, goes into action. Yep. So uh, it certainly, you know, leads us into uh, the final two episodes of season two. And just uh, now I know you, you said you rewatched them, what, what, yesterday or uh-huh. so. You know, I try. I, I deliberately avoided doing it because I didn't want to be tempted. Because, you know. Yeah, I, I I was thinking that first, but you know, I mean, really, you get to the end of the season, and it's like, especially when you, you know, you got Netflix, man. Right? Just watch it, just right. You know, it's like, it's it's hard because, you know, at the end of this episode, you're like, man, I just I I, I gotta go watch the next one. I got it. You know, it's just like it's too much. It's so intense. There's so much going on. Um, it's, you know, good cliffhangers at the end and everything. You just want to go right into the next one. So, you know, hats off yep. again to the, the writers, uh, to Steve Cochran and Steve DeMarco um, with this one because uh, it was it was an awesome episode and, and just totally takes you into the next one. Yep. So, uh, so what we'll do is we'll come back with the next podcast that will cover episodes 21 and 22 and get us set up for the season three premiere which will be january 14th in the u.s so 
All right. It's a very exciting time. Very exciting time. All right. Um, anything else you want to throw in there? Uh, I think that's about it. All right. Well, uh, you know, this is the part where we're going to talk about something unrelated to Lost Girl. So uh, if you're not a Doctor Who fan, then it's okay to go. But you know what? Even if you're not a Doctor Who fan, you should listen anyway and become a Whovian. You, you really should be. If you're not a Doctor Who fan, you should really ask yourself why that is. Yes. And you need to really kind of evaluate your life. And if you have Netflix, it is on Netflix. Otherwise, you can go to your local library probably and start renting the DVDs. But come on, man. Get on it. All right. Now, uh, let me just for our listeners that perhaps are uninitiated, just and, and correct me if anything I'm saying is, is wrong. But when the show was rebooted in 2005, I believe, right? Yep. Uh, okay. And they've referred to the seasons as series. Uh, so, you know, series one came along and, and it was 13 episodes. And they then established the whole concept of the Christmas special. Uh, because I don't think prior to, you know, the reboot, they were really doing Christmas specials. I, that... Yeah, I could I said, I've gone on record as saying I'm totally unfamiliar with. Okay, I, I, I don't think so, but regardless, uh, you know, they set the precedence. So every you know Christmas Day or, or rather Christmas night, uh, there would be a special, and it would you know sometimes include the companion, sometimes not. Uh, it might introduce you know new characters, uh, but. Uh, and generally, there was some sort of Christmas theme to the story. And if you get the uh, the specials, uh, which were kind of between seasons four and five, it was like they, they did, it's, I guess it's season kind of 4.5 almost. It's uh, you know, David Tennant uh, signing off as the doctor, and so they did five specials, but it was over like the like a, a year and a half or something like right, that. Right, so because I think there's actually two Christmas specials within and, that. And they also did, I think, a New Year's Day uh, that year also. And then I think they did an Easter special uh, in, in that uh, time period you're talking about. Right, right, because right. the, uh, the, the one with your girl is, is an Easter one, right? Ah, Michelle Ryan. Yeah. All right. Uh, but having said all of that, uh, this year's Christmas special uh, – is what we want to talk a little bit about. So uh, we had the... Now, to say we had an introduction to our new companion is not entirely true. You want to explain? Well, it's still not entirely true after now. In the... I guess we could call it the second episode. I guess season seven nominally starts with last year's Christmas special. And then it was almost the full calendar year before we got the first, then the, the first, they just did five episodes, or the next five episodes, I should say, of season seven, which ended I believe, back in October, right? So then we got like another two months then uh, before the Christmas special now. So in the, which I guess we'll call episode two, uh, the doctor is, um, meets this girl, Oswin, who we know because they've already announced who the next companion is, right. that the actress playing Oswin 
is going to be the next companion. Right, Jenna Louise Coleman. Right, Jenna Louise Coleman. And so we're like, okay, well, here we go. Here's where we meet her. Uh, by the end of this special, uh, Osmond's going to go running off with the the doctor and probably Amy and Rory, and, and then it's going to be a transition period, and Amy and Rory are going to go away, and, and then uh, you know it'll be Osmond and the doctor. But unfortunately, by the end of that episode, she died. Um, and we find out not only did she die. Well, I guess I don't know how far we should go into the, like the spoiler stuff, right? Yeah, true. So, uh, but I'll just say that. Yeah, which is a pretty big spoiler. So, if you haven't watched it yet, I apologize. Okay. But there's probably more. So, if you haven't watched it yet, you should really. But she was only mostly dead, apparently. Well, yeah, because now we see Amy and Rory are gone. Uh, they were weeping angel back like 60-some years, 50, 60 years. And so now, and then they died, and the doctor can never go back to the long their timeline, can never, ever see them again. So he is clearly annoyed and dejected and upset at the beginning of this. Yeah, which is really, I mean, we, we rarely see the doctor, you know, in this kind of a, a emotional state, like you said. I mean, he's really... He, you know, I hate. I don't like the word crestfallen, but that's really what he is. I mean, he's probably you know crushed is probably, uh, but he's just kind of walking around aimlessly. Yeah, and it's you know not just walking around aimlessly, but he's developed this really kind of hardcore cynicism about that we've seen maybe like little hints of in the last, especially last season. But now he's really just, I don't care at all, which is so, and you, you know, if you go back like two Christmas specials with the, the Christmas Carol one, um, which is just the opposite, where he's taking a man who has lost all faith with humanity and doesn't care about people at all and turns him around. Well, now he is that guy. Right. He is the guy who could care less and just wants to be left alone. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing here is that, you know, uh, General Louise Coleman is her character is not going to let that happen. She is not taking no for an answer and that uh, you, you just love her tenaciousness that, uh, you know, I'm going to be a part of your life, whoever you are, you know? Exactly. And that was kind of like how she was in the previous episode as well. And, uh, and that's, you know, why she's one of the reasons why she's just, you know, a really awesome companion. And she, you know, she follows him. You know, she follows him up into the. I, I love that scene where she jumps up and, you know, like she she follows the doctor and she sees him just kind of jumping up randomly in the midair and then grabbing a ladder that he climbs up, and then you know she goes and does the same thing and then climbs up this big staircase, which is just. I mean, the things the TARDIS can do are just amazing, and, and I guess we have something like the TARDIS that can basically do whatever you want it to do. Um, it, it really allows for some creativity on the part of the writers and you know, creating this big spiral staircase up to the, the TARDIS in the clouds, which is symbolically significant because he's up here above the earth, not down where the people are, but above where he can kind of see him, but he doesn't really care. He doesn't have to be involved. And uh, that was really cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, none of this phases her uh, again, one of the great scenes. And, and again, I, I guess this is a spoiler, but, Virtually everybody that comes into the TARDIS for the first time, you know, they always say the same thing. Right. It's bigger on the inside. 
and you know he's waiting for her and he's like go ahead say it you know they all they, you know everybody says it and she's like walking around looking and, and then what does she say so it's smaller on the outside right and uh you know it's just like it just kind of establishes her whole character that you know it's like yes uh, this is awesome yeah. but you and, know it, it's still I, I like rory's first impressions of the tarts because he looks at it and the doctor's waiting for him to say it and he's like uh oh well you know clearly it's just a you know shift in dimension or something like that he says it exactly what the tardis is and the doc's just like i like it better when they say it's bigger on the inside you know like he's put out that uh, that rory is not quite as impressed Right. Now, the other thing I liked about this episode, and, and you know, the storyline uh, was sort of secondary to a lot of this, uh, but, you know, she's leading a double life, right? I mean, she's, yes. uh, uh, you know, she's the nanny in this very... Nanny by day and right. barmaid by night. Right. And, uh, you know, how she manages to, you know, keep both masters happy is beyond me, but... And why she manages... And why, right. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll find all that out. Now, the last thing that, that you know, I, I just wanted to mention was Richard Grant, who's playing, uh, you know, the antagonist in this, and his name escapes me at the moment. But uh, Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, boy, he was nasty as can be. And, uh, you know, he's... You I, mean, know, I, I, I mean, the character was nasty. The acting job was brilliant. Oh, yes. And... Uh, you know, he's shown up in a lot of British shows, and uh, it, it, it'd be great to have him back. I doubt we will, but uh, you never know. Never say you never. never know, because really, as far as, and afterwards talking with people about this episode, and they're like, well, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and even, like, I, I rarely, or actually I never watch the bit once the episode is done and the, the credits start i turn it off i don't watch anything beyond that except for doctor who christmas specials because mm -hmm. I, they just show kind of a just a montage of scenes from the the coming episodes and even after watching that i have absolutely no clue where they're going with this what osmond's deal because you know you know she is obviously a, some kind of anomaly um i've heard Others say, is she a fixed point in time and space like Captain Jack? I don't think that's it. I think they're going to come up with something completely new to kind of explain her deal. Uh, but right. it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. And the, where they can go with this is just, you know, the, it's, it, I can't even begin to, to ponder. She's not going to turn out to be a time lord, is she? I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's it at all. But there's something very unique about her. And it goes back to when we, I think it's all going to come back to when we first met her and she's, you know, has been become a Dalek. And I think that somehow what is in there somehow is, is going to be core to what her whole deal is. But I hope that, I hope she's on for more than just, half of a season because she's really really awesome and uh you know i'd like to see her you know maybe have a, you know a couple though amy was awesome and you had her for what uh, two and a half seasons right yeah what you mean you you have doubts that she'll be back for se series eight 
I, I, I just don't know because no. she keeps dying, you know? Yeah. So well, it's, I mean, I, I, I'm, they, she must be, you know, she, well, I, I can't say she must because, you know, like, what? Catherine Tate was one, you know, uh, Fima Ajiman was one season. So, I mean, the only Rose and, and uh, Amy are the only companions in, uh, you know, since it's it's restarted that have gone more than one, um, yeah, more than one season. Yeah, right. Rose went the first two, and uh, I guess what? Yeah, yeah, Rose was just two seasons. Amy was two and a half. So Amy is actually the, the longest running uh, of the companion since yeah. you know, since it's it's restarted, hmm. you know, oh. the Rose and uh, Catherine Tate actually got a uh, a season and an episode, right? Because she first appears in uh, the Runaway Bride at the beginning of season three when she's not the companion. Right, right. So there's also one more thing I want to say about Catherine Tate, and I, I always mean to look this up. I was watching the Office Christmas. Uh, special the other day, not special episode, and she's wearing this big black ring, and I'm like, you know what, when she was playing Donna Noble, she was also wearing this huge black ring, so I was wondering if that is something Catherine Tate just does, or if they, the office is making a nod to her character from Doctor Who. Oh. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I haven't, no. Okay, when you, when you get to, because I know you're doing a rewatch now, right? Yeah. When you get to season four... Look at her hand, and I assumed it's always because her her fiance dies in the Runaway Bride, and she's got this massive black ring on her hand. It's huge, and uh, I, you know, once I noticed it, I, I can now I can't not notice it. You know, um, and but she's wearing like the same ring uh, on the office as well. So, if anyone knows, uh, send your replies and feedback to fatalist at podbean.com <laughs> or send it to fatalist podcast at gmail.com yeah that's like uh, yeah um but uh all right well that's all i mean i don't have anything else to say about uh doctor who other yeah, than that was, that uh, was a great episode. it was awesome yep really yep. looking forward to of course the bbc is not at all revealing when the next episode is going to be yeah but uh I don't Coming think it'll soon, be too long. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anyway, like we said, you can drop us a line at fatalistspodcast at gmail.com uh, on the website, which is fatalist.podbean.com. You can leave us a voicemail. There's a big tab on the right side of the page, and we'd love to hear what you had to say and, and play it on the air. And you, as always, can access the uh, podcast at iTunes. So, uh, we got two episodes to go for season two, and then uh, season three right around the corner. Exciting times! Exciting times! All right, okay, looking forward to it. It's, uh, you know, like I said, uh, well, all right, I'm not going to talk about that because we're, I'll, I'll leave more of it when we the next episode. But yeah, pretty amped about this whole deal. All right, so uh, that's it for me. And I got nothing. All right, man. I'll tell you, I was the computer. Uh, uh, the computer I use is uh, over the last couple of weeks has been like freezing on me, and it froze like right before uh, we got on Skype tonight. Uh huh. And I was like, oh god, don't. You know. <laughs>
All right. Well, also, I went back. 